0: Welcome to Animorphs Anonymous, the podcast where we casually discuss the Animorphs one book at a time. I'm Casey. And I'm Alex. And we're going to talk you through the plot of each book. But more accurately, take you on tangent trips, factoid phrase, and say, well, actually, as much as possible.
1: Join us on the 1st and the 15th of each month, and we'll take you along on our mission. And we promise to have you back under the two-hour time limit. Ladies and gentlemen, I have a grave announcement to make. Incredible as it may seem, both the observations of science and the evidence of our eyes lead to the inescapable assumption that those strange beings who landed in the Jersey farmlands tonight are the vanguard of an invading army. Hey. Hello. Whoa. How are you? I am all right. How are you? I am here, in this universe, in this plane, in this mindset of something. Sometimes that's all you can be. Yep. Yep. It might even be
0: a requirement. Act- Shall we talk about this book? Yeah. Uh. I, I think our guessing game is officially ended.
1: Yeah, it's true. The books keep telling me what's up.
0: Yep. And um, I'll just spoil everything for you right now in regards to authors and tell you that we are not getting another Applegate book until the very end. Are you freaking kidding me? No, it's all ghost written until the last couple books, except for like uh, Vizer and Megamorphs 4 and that wow. sort of stuff. Oh. Yeah.
1: Interesting. Yeah. That's more than I expected.
0: Yeah, it's a pretty big amount.
1: Like yeah. Half of
0: them. <laughs> but um, the author that we got today, I don't know if you liked her, but. Uh, I um, did a lot. Okay, good, because she does a few others.
1: Okay, yeah, this was... Ugh! This was a fucking great book. Yeah, um... It was great, but also, you know you know how I mentioned, like, how can it get any worse? <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, it it fucking gets worse. It gets so much worse. It does, like, let's, it does. Let's, spoilers, let's torture Tobias for an entire book. Jesus. Like, we I don't think we've gotten to torture yet, at least not on the side of the Animorphs. Like, we had Axe torturing Chapman. Not even really torturing him, just kind of, like, egging him on, but...
0: Yeah, just, like, questioning him
1: Yeah, in the night. Yeah. Yeah. Now we have legitimate torture for a long period of time, and it's very uncomfortable to read.
0: It is, and it's really, um... I mean, it's just, like, really brutally written. Like, I I think I've read a lot of... I don't know why I said a lot. I've read read a lot of of books about torture. (laughs) I read a lot of books about torture in my spare time. No, um, I've... I mean, I've... I like kind of, like, darker stuff, and I've read, like, a lot about it, but there's something about the way that this is written that's, like, really, really visceral and uncomfortable, like you said, to to read. Yeah. But very well written.
1: Uh Uh-huh. Defo. Yeah.
0: Yeah, so... Ellen Giroux, that's how I assume I say her mm-hmm. name. Giroux. Giroux, it could be Giroux. G-E-R-O-U-X. It seems Gallo. French. Probably.
1: Because the French in... like X's.
0: <laughs> then In their language. The half of the last name could be silent. It could just be like Ellen Giroux.
1: <laughs> <laughs> French. Here's, here's 14 letters, pronounce two of them. <laughs>
0: <laughs> or none of them. That's didn't somebody say it the other day or post that about um, hors d'oeuvres? Oh, like, I don't know. Here's how to spell hors d'oeuvres. You say none of these letters. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, no. Like, I mean, I know that I really fucked up between colonel and colonel or whatever, but, like, hors d'oeuvres is, like, hors d'oeuvres. Hors Hors like, d'oeuvres. Yeah, that's really fucked up the way that that's spelled.
1: No offense to any French speakers out there. I it's not their fault. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: like, French has <is> just <laughs> got a lot of things. Your going language on. sounds lovely. I just don't understand it.
0: Well, like, so mm. I took French for years and years and years, and now, like, It'll be like okay, like speak Spanish, and I'm like, I literally can't. I don't. I keep <laughs> pronouncing things the French way, and I don't know what to do. Oh no. Like, <laughs> oh. whoops. Uh, so basically, it's all fucked. Everything's fucked. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. Thanks, Ellen. <laughs> Thanks, Ellen. Thanks a lot, Ellen. God. But yeah. Okay. Let's let me start talking about this book. Do because we have got a lot to cover. So, it opens with Tobias at a dance, being terrified. He's there with Rachel, who looks impatient and beautiful, but Tobias can't relax. He keeps looking up at the clock and realizing he only has 20 minutes left in Morph, and he doesn't know what to do with his arms, and the music is too loud, and he keeps accidentally staring at people, and everyone's angry.
1: (laughs) This is the most rage-filled dance. Yeah,
0: he's like, I don't know what to do. Um... And he's like, I don't know how Rachel talked me into this. Like, the last time it was a group thing, it was kind of chill. Right now, this is, like, this is high-stakes shit
1: going on There's right expectations. Now.
0: There's expectations. Um... And I think it's about this point that Marco does that weird maneuver. I didn't write this down because it's unimportant, but, like, Marco, like, dances up to them and, like, points at both of them. And then Rachel's like, do you have a chemical imbalance? (laughs) And I don't know whatever happened after that.
1: I bet Marco knows how to moonwalk.
0: He a thousand percent practiced moonwalking in his room for years. I bet he does,
1: yes. And he's probably very
0: good at it. On carpet, he's very good at it. Oh, my God. And it's, like, the one move he always busts out other than the robot and the sprinkler, which he just does because it's funny. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> the cabbage patch. <laughs> the electric slide. Oh, God. The chicken dance, for good measure.
0: Oh Well, like, isn't the electric slide the one that gives you the instructions the whole time?
1: Mm, or is that the the shuffle? Maybe the cha-cha slide does.
0: Oh my god how many slides and shuffles are there a
1: cupid shuffle that didn't come out in the 90s i don't think
0: no i don't know i there was definitely an instruction song in the 90s
1: yeah like, for sure i think it was a cha-cha slide okay sure. i'll accept know.
0: cha-cha slide but there's like i don't count those as dances because they're just telling you what to do the whole time
1: like fools the this... hokey pokey that's another <laughs> one. Oh god
0: yeah the Hokey Pokey. Jeez. Uh, anyways, um, they're, they're at a dance, and we know that the Hokey Pokey isn't playing because they name drop that they're, dan- they're going to slow dance to a Goo Goo Dolls song. <laughs> I bet it's
1: Iris. I'm sure it's Iris. Uh, <laughs> There's no other song. It's a good fucking <laughs> song, though.
0: Yeah, and they're going to slow dance to it. I'm pretty sure that's on our
1: Spotify playlist, too, our character playlist. Oh, for sure. So. That song, well, it's such a good Tobias song as well. I'm is, pretty sure
0: it's on Tobias' okay.
1: playlist. I feel like ever, anyone with an original character ever thinks that Iris is applicable to their original character. I was going to say, if you like stories with music to them, read my webcomic. <laughs> anyway, they're at a dance and it's terrible.
0: They're at a dance. It's terrible. Um, and then Tobias, like, starts going into his normal, like, how he's part hawk, part andalite, part boy. And then he, like, backs up and he's like, and here's the war and the yerks and all the normal stuff that we got to go through, blah, blah, blah. Um, and then we, like, cut back to the dance where Rachel convinces him to dance to a slow song. And they're having a really, really good time. And they're enjoying themselves so much that they don't really realize how much time has passed until Tobias looks up at the scoreboard again and realizes he only has eight minutes left in Morph, and he has to get out of there.
1: He's a Disney princess again. Oh,
0: he's absolutely a (laughs) Disney... I just decided to beatbox in the middle of a podcast. No big deal. (laughs) Sure. Uh Yeah, so he's absolutely being a Disney princess in this moment.
1: Yes, he's going to turn into a pumpkin if he doesn't get out of there.
0: He's going to turn into a little pumpkin boy. A little bird. Well, he wishes to turn into a little bird. Instead, he shall be a man. I'm a real boy. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) Anyways, he's like, I got to get the fuck out of here. And Rachel's like kind of trying to hold him back. She's like, no, like just a few more minutes. And he's like no (laughs) Um, so he breaks free from dancing rushes out of the gym he brushes past this teacher that like used to know him when he was there and the teacher like kind of like what and he's like yeah uh, just keep walking he won't know me it's fine Um, so Tobias is, like, power walking, jogging down the hallway, and Rachel's following him, and finally she, like, stops him and says, like, listen, I know everything is weird. I know our lives are crazy. I don't need everything to be normal, but every once in a while, I just need some semblance of normalcy to be a girl. Like, and she's talking about, like, just every once in a while, she wants to, like, go on a date with him, be with him as a human, not just do these bird dates. And Tobias, like, the entire, he's, like, trying to, like, actively listen to her, but in, the entire time she's talking he's like, is she trying to trap me? Is she trying to trap me as, as, a, as a human so I can't be a bird anymore? Like, what the fuck? And like then he feels guilty for accusing her of such a heinous thing, but like at the same time he's not like too convinced. Yeah. It, I, it's a whole thing.
1: I have a lot of feelings about this.
0: Tell me them.
1: Okay. So, first of all, I'm increasingly becoming uncomfortable with Rachel insisting that Tobias is human Mm -hmm. because Tobias himself isn't comfortable identifying as human anymore. Mm -hmm. Like, and he's told her this multiple times. He's like, I'm not a human. I'm a bird. I'm like something else. And just the fact that she keeps like insisting like, no, you're a human. It's almost feeling like someone denying someone else's like gender or sexuality or aspect of their identity kind of. And it's just really, it makes me really uncomfortable and I wish she would stop.
0: Yeah. And I, I think the other, like what makes it so um, apparent too, is that none of the other Animorphs ever pushed that on him. They're like, whatever, you know?
1: Yeah. And it's like, it's something it, strikes me as something that rachel wants like she wants him to be human which is evident in this scene like she wants him to be human seemingly for her yeah and that also makes me really uncomfortable um in that conversation like it it made a lot of sense coming off of her book where she had that really like terrifying moment of being like this is my darker half and this is like what i'm driven to and mm-hmm. I just want to be a girl again. I'm on board with that. I get that. But yeah. I was really hoping that whole conversation was going to be a red herring. And she was going to say something other than, like, I wish she were a human and not a hawk. Because that's just, ugh. Yeah. It's it's uncomfortable. and just, ugh. I have needs, is- Tobias!
0: Well, it is. Yeah, that's kind of how it comes off in this conversation. There is somewhat of a redemption at the end of the book, I yes, think, yes. for this. But, like, yeah, in this moment, it absolutely comes off as, like, I want you to be human for me, and you have to be this for me. And like,
1: Right. Because, I mean, she's shown that that kind of streak before. Like, I'm thinking back to the time where she was having a really hard time, and she kept, like bringing up like oh what are you gonna do when you get to college and he's kind of like i'm not going to college um and yeah there was that kind of whole moment there but i don't know like i don't think and a lot of this could be like through tobias's perception of just like he's worried that she's trying to trap him which also probably isn't a great mindset to be in right like you shouldn't probably suspect that of the person that you love and who loves you but you know yeah i don't know
0: Yeah, it's, it's not, it doesn't seem like the healthiest thing in the beginning. And you're right, like, it is really hard to discern what is him thinking she's pushing that on him and what's her actually pushing it on to him. Because I suspect it's both of them. Yeah. I don't think it's an either or situation where, like, well, she's not, but Tobias, like, I think they're, they're both. Yeah. Struggling through that.
1: To be fair, they're communicating a lot better than a lot of other, like, 12, 13-year-olds would be about their relationship, but... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I shouldn't be criticizing them that hard, but...
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, it's it's super hard to remember that, like, they are, like, middle school age. Yeah. Like, they just... They're so much more mature because of everything that's gone on, so, yeah. like, yeah. Ugh. It's, like, really jarring when they have kid moments sometimes.
1: Yeah what no. <laughs> even are you oh the other thing i noticed apropos of nothing is that i noticed that axe is not at this particular school dance
0: no but <laughs> good thing he isn't with all the fucking trouble he causes in this book and social function he's a
1: monster i love him
0: <laughs> oh yeah he didn't seem to want to show up to this particular
1: <laughs> dance he's scared about the girls that want his body
0: yeah yeah, i mean last dance didn't go well at all No. oh
1: man poor baby
0: poor baby and like it it, just while we're talking about other people the other thing i didn't mention was like jake and cassie were cutely dancing on the other side of the gym yeah so they're being fucking adorable god (laughs) i don't know why i said it like that they're being fucking adorable god they're being fucking adorable again great but I, will. I'm sure we'll get back to this thought again once we get to the end of the book. Because yes. I think. Thank you for letting me word vomit my feelings. I'm glad you did. I'm always interested in you word vomiting your feelings to me. Woo-hoo! So, Tobias, who is having this entire conversation, ironically, in front of a bird of prey poster. Ah! <laughs> Yay, school. Yay. Yeah. Um. So Tobias kind of cuts Rachel off when she's saying, like, she wants normal dates and, like, normal things, blah, blah, blah. If you were a boy. And then Tobias goes, yeah, if. And then kind of, (laughs) like, tries to leave. God. I know. (laughs) And then he, like, runs into a metal security gate. And just like me in any sort of tax store where they've set up barriers immediately panics and starts running towards whatever entrances are around oh no Um, and he's like oh god I gotta get out the front door but then like Chapman comes out of his office and he's scolding Eric for smoking apparently he smells like cigarettes (laughs) and like he's like it's super funny that he thinks like a bajillion year old android would be smoking but okay Um, so he kind of like creeps back towards Rachel and he's like I need help Uh, And right about then, the teacher that he blew past to get out of the gym was like, oh, my God, I recognize you. You're Tobias. And then Tobias just, like, freaks the fuck out. And so Rachel's like, I will hold them up here. You go up over that grate and get the hell out of here. So, like, he goes running. He dives at this, like, metal gate thing. And they're, like, those things that you pull across, like, stores at the mall when it's Mm -hmm. closing, like, the metal grates. Yeah, just for anybody who didn't read this particular book. I feel like that's kind Um, of
1: a weird... Thing for a middle school to have but whatever
0: i think mine had it really yeah they, they'd they'd um like not like there was two sets of doors and it was after like the second set of doors like just in the hallway they'd like close it off at night because they do this at our school dances so like we couldn't go running out of any door we had to go to the specific pickup oh. door where our parents would be
1: oh i thought they stationed people to chase you i think we had more exits than people (laughs) okay fair
0: (laughs) i think i don't know if that's actually true not enough personnel yeah there wasn't enough people to be like supervising the gym and like guarding the exit so they just like pull the
1: what not enough teachers wanted to volunteer to chaperone a school dance what god no
0: are you who the fuck wants to stand around watching a bunch of goddamn 12 year olds dance to cotton eye joe for three hours it's just not happening
1: i unironically love cotton eye joe but that's just me anyway
0: <laughs> it's it's a song that like if it comes on i'm like fuck yeah i know the dance to this oh my god <laughs> and all the words and i'm down to dance to
1: it sweet
0: oh Anyways, Tobias goes lunging at this gate and he like struggles to get a foothold and like it clatters and the noise draws Chapman's attention and everyone like starts like yelling at Tobias and he's like, I don't know if I'm going to fit over the top of the gate. Um, However, it turns out that people yelling at him is enough motivation to get him through. And, like, the front of his shirt gets caught up in it. And so he's, like, hanging there for a moment. And then he manages to, like, rip through it using pure adrenaline. (laughs) And then goes running down the hallway. And he's, like, almost home free. Uh, He gets outside. And he's, like, okay, I've got a morph. I've got a morph. And he's, like, yelling at himself. And then, um, finally, after a minute or two, he starts to see the feather pattern showing up across his skin. So he's like, oh, thank God. Um, and then he makes it back to Hawk, and he flies off, leaving his old teacher outside, like, calling his name. And he says, like, this teacher was a teacher that was, like, newer, and, like, kind of reminded him of himself, and, like, he was super nice to him and everything, Aww. so it's not like it was, like, he was getting in trouble, it was, the, the guy was, like, concerned for him.
1: Oh, Yeah. Aww. It was pretty cute yeah i like that tobias is the type that is like friends with his teachers like more than oh, the other yeah. students yeah i i, I that was so me tobias. in middle school i was like i like my science teacher more than i like any of these other kids yeah
0: i agree i i think that was more me in like high school just because i got a bunch of well that's not true i had some really good middle school teachers that i still love and like would go visit now, but yeah. Yeah, there's also some dick wads. <laughs> <laughs> as there always are. I know. They're just, it just seemed disproportionate in middle school for some reason. Hmm. I don't know why. But yeah, um, so Tobias gets out of there uh, and he sees, like, as he's gaining some altitude, he sees Jake on the front steps of the building. So he kind of glides down, lands in a tree, and he says hi. And Jake's like, oh, I just got some bad news about the anti-morphing ray from Eric. And he's like, the she don't know where it is and testing's about to begin and, like, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then Jake's like, oh, by the way, I'm happy you made it out of there. Like, really <laughs> weirdly unconcerned. Uh, he's like, yeah, happy you didn't get trapped as a human. Like, you know, glad to have our Air Force, you know. Like, it's really
1: weird. Like, yeah. Jake
0: just kind of, like, tells him that, but, like, doesn't, doesn't feel like there's any
1: emotion behind it. I, yeah. I think... I think it's just evidence of, like, just being so exhausted and feeling so old and just, like, having no more emotional fucks to give. Yeah. Like, he's, like, trying to be emotional, but really it's just coming out as, like, hey, I'm glad you're still alive, I guess. Yeah. He's just so ruined. I loved it.
0: But, yeah, and then Tobias mentions right after this, like, he's like, I don't know whether to trust Jake anymore or whether he's using us. Like, Ah,
1: I love that, too!
0: Ah! Oh. Yeah. Is a really uh, astute assessment of Jake in
1: this book. Mm hmm. Oh. oh. And I kind of wonder if, um, you know, because like he did that thing with Rachel in the last book where he like clearly manipulated her. I wonder mm-hmm. if Rachel kind of told Tobias about that and Ooh, if all the Animorphs are kind of like, just... like talking about him behind his back, kind of. <laughs> Cassie probably wouldn't, but.
0: Cassie wouldn't. I don't think Marco would either. Mm-hmm. Axe for sure wouldn't. So I. I mean, I would bet it's probably just Rachel and Tobias yeah. talking about it. Yeah. But Tobias also seems to be... Observant. Especially, like, really observant mm-hmm. in the last couple books. And, like, he just seems to be able to, like, pinpoint people's motivations very quickly and mm-hmm. is getting better and better at it. Yeah. Oh, babies. Oh, could be that, too. Uh, children. Children. Um, but they end this conversation with Jake being like, find Axe and we can meet up tomorrow morning because that's how we do it that's how we do (laughs) um so the kids all meet up at the barn the next day uh, except for jake and most likely eric is coming along with jake they're running late so it's axe marco and rachel all hanging out and cassie is treating a bald eagle that's nearing the end of its life and looking really ragged it's got a bald spot in its chest and matted feathers
1: does anyone know what foreshadowing is (laughs)
0: <laughs> I didn't even include this originally in my notes until I got to the end. And I'm like, fuck, I got to add that detail about the eagle oh, back in there.
1: Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> oh boy. So there's
0: an eagle. Um, And then Marco starts talking about Eric getting busted for smelling like smoke. And there's a short PSA about <laughs> smoking and addiction.
1: I, Where, like, I like how they never clarified, like, why he smelled like smoke.
0: No, never. They're, just- They're like... <laughs> He could have been at the bus stop with somebody smoking, and it's like, he got in trouble for it. He was just hanging out
1: with, like, some bummer. like... (laughs) I like to picture he was hanging out with the other Chi, and one of them was smoking.
0: I don't know either. Or maybe
1: Eric just smokes now to help him cope with the whole, like, killing all those... The
0: The fucking stress. Yeah. He's gone billions of years, and this is his one goddamn vice, (laughs) and you can't even let him smoke.
1: (laughs) Oh my gosh, yes. Uh... I like this headcanon. (laughs) <laughs> that he's stressed out. Oh, man.
0: Uh, I'm just going to keep shitting but on Eric. Because <laughs> I love him. <laughs> <laughs> Eric deserves it between this book and the last book. Oh, my God. He needs somebody to shit on him this a little guy. bit. And then, like, Axe says, like, something really, like, kind of shitty about addictions, too. Because Cassie's the one that mentions they're, they're addictive during their little PSA land. Yeah, And <laughs> Axe mentions, he's like some fortune cookie kind of thing about like you either like learn from your struggles or your struggles consume you (laughs) i don't know it Uh. was very funny um so yeah and and then marco's like where are jake and eric this is taking forever and tobias is like they'll be here in about five seconds and then they walk in the door (laughs) i'm so cool uh, so Jake's like, sorry for being late, and uh, we're, we're here now, so it's probably fine. And then Eric's like, just so you know, the anti-morphing ray is ready to be tested, and the Yerks are going to do whatever they want to capture you guys, or they're just going to open fire it at you guys at some point in a battle. Huzzah. And then, Yeah, just so you know, you're going to be shot. <laughs> <laughs> J- Jake's like, well, let's just give them what they want. Let's get captured on purpose. And like, there's this fucking argument. I'm trying to remember what, like, cartoon it was that we've seen this in before. There's probably multiple. But basically, Jake's like, I'm going to go. And then Rachel's like, you're too valuable. You can't go. And then Axe is like, no, I'm going to go. Because if the morphing ray works, they should get an andalite so we don't blow our cover. No, not my baby. (laughs) Not my baby boy. Um... And, like, Jake's being really noncommittal, which Tobias is like, okay, so that means he has a plan, and he's just waiting for somebody else to bring it up, because he doesn't want to be the one to say (sighs) it. So, Tobias has this moment where it's super dramatic, and in the moment, Tobias is like, this is so fucking lame. This is so dramatic, it's lame, which is excellent. But he, like, flutters to the barn floor, and, like, there's particles of dust that swirl up when he lands, because he lands directly into a sunbeam of light. Yes. And he's like... I will be the one to take the ring to Mordor. <laughs> <laughs> That's the movie I was thinking of. It was Lord of the Rings. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Shit, that was, I should have gotten that way earlier. That is
1: straight up, yes. More Tolkien references.
0: And so he's just like, yeah, it has to be me. And then he goes, and I looked at Jake's eyes, and the look in his eyes said yes. And then he said something about, like, Eric's hologram also said yes. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever his hologram do. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Um, so, yeah. Tobias is like, okay, so if they turn the morphing ray on me, I will turn into a hawk. And they'll be like, well, this shit doesn't work. And uh, then he describes all of his teammates' reactions, which were really interesting, actually. Because um, Cassie has this like sad look, but she, like sad but proud that she reserves only for situations like this. And Rachel was sad and also angry, and he mentions that for Rachel. Those are, like, kind of the same thing. Um, And Marco just does this, like, kind of little bow to him, and he says, you know what, you're right, but I bet you wish you weren't. Um, And then Jake just looks disgusted with himself that he's even doing this. Like, he didn't want to single out Tobias. He wanted Tobias to volunteer, and he knew that, like, if he did this sort of weird backhand shit that Tobias would eventually figure it out and volunteer for it. How do you feel about that? Uh, like, which part? Like, just the Jake part? Yeah. That I It's hard, right? Because, like, I totally understand why mm-hmm. Jake doesn't want to be like, listen, you're the one that we're going to volunteer to go get shot. Because, the, like, part of this is they don't know if the ray is going to kill them or not. Yes. So, like... Or it's going to, like, backfire and blow up. Like, there's a whole other, like, you could very easily die from this. And so I understand why Jake doesn't want to be the one to tell him this. But I hate the fact that Jake didn't talk to him about it. Like, I think, like, this was a really weird manipulation tactic. And I didn't like that particular aspect of it. But the plan itself is very good. And, like, Tobias volunteering is very good. Yes. So, I don't know. Yeah. What did you think?
1: I don't know. Like I again I I agree with you like I know why it has to be done and I feel like Jake being like I think Tobias should go, that would feel kind of like somebody's ganging up on you and mm-hmm. like your reaction might be to like kick back against that. Yeah. But I don't feel good about it. I don't feel I don't feel good about Jake having to be like I need to, somebody to be willing to risk their life. I don't know. It's, it's kind of gross to me.
0: It's kind Yeah. Kinda gross. And, like, it's not the first time he's asked people to risk their lives. Like, he does it all the time. It's just the first time he's done it this way.
1: <laughs> it was done a lot better in this book than it was in, what fucking book was that? Rachel's last book with the squid when mm, they were trying to yeah. volunteer who would go be the sperm whale. Yeah. And he just, like, fucked that entire thing up. Because he uh, yeah. he he wanted certain people to volunteer, and when they didn't, he didn't do anything to stop them, but he still yelled at Rachel, and I got, Ugh! I'm still mad about that. I'm still mad. Yeah,
0: that was a stupid
1: <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: thing. <laughs> I don't know, but even then, like, that wasn't, like, a negative on Jake. That was more like, oh, well, he's mad, but he should have declared what he wanted, yeah. and in this one it's... Maybe this is the growth from that book, though, because he didn't leave it to chance. He knew what he wanted, and he just took a different tactic to manipulate those results.
1: Yeah, like, a couple people were volunteering, and he was kind of, like, stalling for time to be like, well, let's maybe think of some other options. Maybe we have a better solution, <laughs> to bias." Yeah. I don't know. I do like that he was disgusted with himself, though, for doing that.
0: Yeah, I did appreciate that, um, that... Tobias called it out and that he was disgusted with himself and that he showed it. Yeah. Like he, he didn't just tell us later. He showed like how,
1: yeah. yeah. He's like, I got the result I wanted, but I don't feel good about it. And we're like, yeah, right exactly. there with you, Jake.
0: Right. Uh. But like, it's so like, this is such a great plan because like, there is no way the Yerks could know that the Elemist is like, he, he's still folklore to most people. Sure. Right. Like yeah. he, he doesn't exist. So there's no way they could know that his main body is a hawk, but he has morphing abilities. Like that's, the results are so confusing. It like I just love that plan. It's very very good. He's like a wild card. He is a wild card. Uh, it's excellent. Oh. Um, yeah. So. The- Tobias doesn't really know how to feel about any of this, though. Uh, and then Axe brings up that he will need an Andalite morph, and Tobias is like, even more like, whoa. <laughs> um, and they're like, well, okay, like let's continue to plan. And they're like, well, let's do it tonight. And then for some reason, um, they're doing it tonight because Yurko Palooza is going on, which is just some big sharing <laughs> <Yerka-palooza>. meeting. <laughs> I think that's what they call it multiple I times. I know it's just so funny. It is hilarious. I would not go to
1: Yerka Palooza. <laughs> that would be the shittiest music festival of all. All they have is jazz and
0: whatever goes <laughs> in your brain. Oh, no.
1: They have a lot of earworms. Oh, God. <laughs> dabs. <laughs> oh, no. I'm so sorry.
0: <laughs> oh, you broke me. Uh, so, anyways... <laughs> It's just some big awards thing going on, and they're celebrating the opening of a new sharing center and some fucking shit. <laughs> um, <laughs> and Cassie's like, I can't go out because I have to something parent something, which she mentions here and is important because Jake's like, well, we're going to risk it anyways, but then it we'll get to it. And then Jake's like, well, I'm just going to go as myself because Tom was slated to get an award and he invited me and I said no. And I'll just tell him I changed my mind and I'll, like, go and watch him receive it. So we'll be there. And, like, there's a call out here where Marco snaps into his, like, security guard mode where he's like, that's a great plan because they'll be on the lookout for, like, any bugs or birds or anything around there. So the safest you can possibly be is as yourself. Like, a very weird, like, you know, this is the general and we have to protect him.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, Yeah, so they're going to go with this crazy plan. Jake's going as himself. Tobias and Axe leave this meeting. And Axe tells Tobias, like, hey, this is kind of a big moment for you, right? And, like, Tobias is like, well, what do you mean? And Axe is like, well, I really want to share some of the Andalite culture because it's your heritage. It's a part of you, and I want to share this with you. And Tobias, like, gets really excited. He's, like, he's trying, like, not to outwardly show it too much but he's like he's like i'm finally gonna have a history and something that i can call my own and and i can connect to oh, um, I, love it so much. I know it was it was so sweet oh like i really love this moment um device is trying to play it so chill but
1: it just means adorable. so much to him
0: it does and we've spent so many past books with Tobias are just about how he has no heritage and no past. And now it's like something that's his. Mm-hmm. It's I don't know. It's just, it's a huge moment. He's got family. He does. He's Ohana. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Uncle um, Axe. Yeah. Uncle Axe. Um, so Tobias, like, agrees, like, yeah, I'm super excited, and then Axe lifts him up onto his shoulder, and Tobias so starts acquiring him. It is adorable. Um, and then Tobias it flops down on the ground <laughs> <laughs> and starts morphing to Andalite, and it's, like, this is a pretty intense and awesome morphing experience, like... The first thing that comes up are the stock eyes, so he can see all around him, and then he just starts bulking up and like gaining all of this muscle and awareness. And he's like, "It's so easy to move. Like, I, I just have like this huge power. I'm really nimble. I'm really light." Um, and then when when the andelite brain finally kicks in, the biggest thing he notices is it's so optimistic. Like, it's just this overpowering feeling of optimism. Aww. Yeah, how, like... <laughs> how logical is that? <laughs> uh, it's just... I don't know. I just really appreciate that that nuance, I guess, of the Andalite brain.
1: Yeah, and I like what Axe has to, to say about it. How, like, Andalites as a culture had to kind of start stifling their optimism in favor mm-hmm. of, like you know becoming warriors and i just thought that was really interesting because i feel like that's kind of applicable to humanity as well you know like we're so naive and optimistic as children and then as we grow older we grow much more jaded and and terrible
0: yeah absolutely i liked that um that part but i also liked that he mentioned that there are other people that are fighters that like, they, they actually study trying to get rid of all of that realism and fighting only with the optimism mm-hmm. and using, like, um, you know, just kind of their natural defenses and, and their natural reactions. and Yeah. There's, like, a lot of little call-outs like that to the Andalite culture in here that were super interesting mm-hmm. to
1: follow. It almost, like, kind of, not that I'm an expert in any form in this manner, but it it, also, it kind of rings similar to like martial arts kind of like the more and more I read about Andalites, the more like steeped in like real cultures I feel that it is like, there's a lot of similarities.
0: There is. And like, and there's a lot of similarities in the way that there's these like little fractured segments of Andalites that like believe in something Mm -hmm. just kind of slightly different. Like, I love that. Yeah, I do too. (sighs) I do too. Um, And then because he's being a good, good boy. He starts to teach Tobias some other things, and he's like, let's do this, like, figure-eight tail blade maneuver, and Tobias, like, kind of copies him, and then Axe is like, let me show you the one where we, like, go to, like, we're gonna cut somebody's head off, but then at the last minute we tilt the tail blade and just knock him out. And so Axe shows him on a tree where he, like, launches his tail at a tree at lightning speed and then, like, tips it and just kind of, like, bops the side of the tree, And Tobias goes to do it, and he goes really fast and then doesn't twist his tail in time, so he gets the tip of his tail caught in the tree. And then he's like, oh no, I did this terribly wrong. And Axe is like, you know what? You haven't even, like... We're trying to run before you learn to walk. He's like, let's just, like, take it back a bit and get you used to the body and everything. So he goes to pull Tobias out of the tree, and he literally, like, grabs his body and starts to pull him. And then the tailblade finally lets go, and they go tumbling around
1: for a bit. I love it!
0: It was adorable! Oh, I love him so much. <laughs> it's, I love him, too. Um. So then they go to do the evening ritual, where... They go to a nearby stream and Tobias experiences drinking through his hoof for the first time, which he says is super weird. Um, And then Axe has him do the ritual, which is just where they stare at the orange line of the sun, the last part where it's going down, and they say a nice sentiment, and that's it. Cute! Yeah, it was adorable. I love that
1: whole scene.
0: I do too. Like, it was just a really, like, Nice, warm, coming together, learning about his heritage, and having a good time.
1: Yeah, hold on to that. I <laughs> I will, and I like to imagine that um, that X continues to like train him,
0: mm-hmm. so
1: that not only can they watch TV together, they can now just like X can teach him all these Andalite things, and he can have a Rocky Balboa training montage, and that makes me so happy. <laughs> If there's,
0: like, nothing else that we take away from this book, it's that Tobias and Axe are, like, getting so close. I love it! Yeah. I do, too. Ugh. I really do. <sighs> um, so, now Tobias heads towards the ceremony. After their ritual, they split up, head off and uh tobias approaches and he starts hearing all of these noises kind of far off like this this was one thing i'm just gonna like take us out of the moment for a second this author has so many scenes where like they build on noise Uh uh-huh which is so fucking cool in some of the descriptions so this was one of them where like as he approached he started hearing like kind of like kind of bass noises and then he could start hearing the talking over the speakers and then he could start hearing the jazz and then he heard like the crowds talking and so like just built up as he was approaching it was a very cool opening did not notice that but that is cool there's another one that that's even better that's coming up soon but i will talk about it then because like it i just loved it so much but anyways yeah it was it was just really cool soundscape building um so Tobias arrives, and the first one he spots is Jake, who's all dressed up and sitting with his parents and Tom. And uh, Tobias greets Jake, and they kind of have, like, a an eye gesture, very small, like, movement kind of conversation. Um, and then Jake gestures him towards the... the <laughs> table where they're keeping all the desserts because Axe is over there demanding a fourth cotton candy. Oh my god. The, guy- <laughs> the guys like, "Where are your parents?" And like <laughs> Axe is just covered in cotton candy. It's in his hair. It's he has a wispy cotton candy beard on his face. It's all over. Him. <laughs> he
1: is a wonderful creature. <gasps> oh. It was so
0: fucking the cute. Monster. <laughs> And this poor guy, this poor cotton candy guy is just like, why? Why are you like this? I'm so exasperated. Um, But this is cut off because Marco starts calling for help because he fell into the chocolate fondue. And Rachel's immediately like, what the fuck were you doing in the fondue?
1: (laughs) (laughs) And Marco's like, I wanted to taste it. How How many fucking missions have almost been ruined by a combination of Axe, Marco, and food?
0: All, oh. all 33 books. <laughs> just like, <laughs> why? I don't know. They're just. It's funny.
1: It's just funny. It's funny <laughs> until you go swimming in the Salisbury steak sauce and then Jake gets murder faced, <laughs> Marco. You should have <laughs> n- remembered that.
0: <sighs> yeah. He didn't remember he that. He did not. He's, he thought
1: fondue would He okay. did not.
0: He did oh, hi, not.
1: Marvel. anyway Uh,
0: anyways Rachel's buzzing around in Axe's cotton candy beard Cassie is there apparently she didn't have to do anything with her parents but this is never mentioned why whatever I don't care Um, and then like Tobias is like Axe get control of your body and then in the background like Tom is going on stage to get his award and Axe goes over to scoop Marco out of the fondue. And he does by sticking his whole arm in there. You fool. And scooping Marco out. Then he starts licking the chocolate off of his fingers. And everybody starts screaming, no, don't eat Marco, don't eat Marco, don't eat Marco. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: well, Marco ate him.
0: And that's exactly what I right? wrote. <laughs> I was like, pay back some bitch, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Um, the entire team is like, do not eat marco this is the most important thing and eventually marco just kind of drips off of axe's hand back onto the edge of the bowl and tobias starts yelling at axe use a strawberry and everybody's like tobias wait what like why would we use a strawberry and he's just like that's what you do with fondue you use strawberries (laughs) i don't know why people questioned him but they did oh my god uh and then Axe apparently takes the strawberry and, with the precision of a brain surgeon, scoops up Marco. Oh my God. And then everybody starts going, do not eat the strawberry! <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh, he has to be supervised at all times.
0: He absolutely must be. But here comes the most badass motherfucking part of this book from not Tobias' perspective. For not Tobias. So... This is all happening in the background. And meanwhile, Visitor 3 is wandering around these tables and being, like, a politician and, like, you know, shaking people's hands being and, like, dick. kissing
1: babies and shit. And being <laughs> No, a dick. don't kiss babies, you fuck. <laughs> Hide your babies.
0: Um, Hide everybody. Hide hi oh, your kids. Hide your wife. Because he's kissing everybody up in there. Oh, God. Um, yeah. So he, he, like, goes over to the table with Jake and... And his parents, and even Tom is very like hesitant that Visor Three is there. He does not; he's not comfortable around this dude with good reason. Yes. Um, and then there's a fly buzzing around, and we realize it's Cassie. And Visor Three goes to slap her, and she barely dodges out of the way. And she flies right towards Jake. And Visor Three is getting very agitated, and he tells <laughs> his like security team there. He's like, "Flies, flies!" And he goes to slap like Jake to get the fly <laughs> he off the of
1: backhand him. Jake.
0: <laughs> he does. He goes to backhand Jake and Jake catches his wrist like a badass motherfucker oh my God. and stares him down.
1: That's amazing. And, like,
0: it's so amazing. They have this crazy moment and then Jake smiles and visor three like smiled back at him, like reciprocated this weird thing, even though they're staring each other down. And Cassie, who made it into Jake's front pocket, then broadcasts their conversations, because they can see that Visitor 3 is, like, talking to him. And, uh, basically what happens is Visitor 3 apologizes for scaring him, and Jake responds, I don't scare easily. Oh!
1: It was extremely cool! Oh, Jake, you master.
0: Oh, it was so badass! I was like, this, like, how have we gotten so far into this series, and Jake has not had like a badass moment like this before oh so good it was so cool oh so like i don't know i really love this yes (laughs) oh anyways after that was over jake then basically says to his parents like i'm gonna go to the bathroom or whatever and he gets up and then, like, one fell swoop, he grabs onto Axe, kind of roughly, drags him off. He gathers everybody around him, and he goes, listen, quit fucking around. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, I do. I love Jake. <laughs> yeah, he was just, like, really badass <laughs> Uh, So, uh, Jake and Axe split. Tobias follows Jake, and they go behind this brand new building, and tobias is being the lookout he gives the all clear and jake throws a brick through a window and shatters (laughs) it hooligan fucking hooligan um it it's just enough for tobias to fly through so he dives in flies into the room he starts like killing his speed and he's like flapping around these empty hallways trying to figure out where he's going and he's passing all sorts of like bullshit like children's rooms with like toys and shit in it and then like conference rooms with like office chairs and shit um just like a whole bunch of money basically Mm -hmm. like the yerks are just pouring money into this place then he turns a corner and he runs straight into axe as an andalite and tobias is like what are you doing here and why are you an andalite right now and axe is like well i thought my tail blade might be helpful in a fight And Tobias realizes that Axe was super worried about him, so he decided to, like, come in and be Tobias' backup. It's adorable. Good boy. Tobias starts using Axe as a perch so he doesn't have to flap around. And they head down to a construction area. Do not enter construction area. (laughs) They sneak down the stairs like goons from a Scooby-Doo cartoon. (laughs) They truly do. (laughs) true. (laughs) <laughs> uh. and they see a guy staring at security screens and like it's basically like a comedy of airs going on behind this guy who just doesn't turn around but they're like they see him there and they kind of like freak out so like they start trying to dive under somewhere but it won't work so they move to another place they open up the door to a room and inside there's just a bunch of corpusher sitting around a card table playing cards illuminated by a single bare light bulb <laughs> oh my god
1: it's like the dogs playing sh- poker
0: Exactly like the dog's playing poker.
1: We should fucking draw this.
0: Okay. <laughs> I will do my best. Uh, uh. They, like, back out of the room and close the door without being seen, allegedly. And then they, like, hear somebody walking up behind them, so they dive under a nearby table. And it's, like, a super close call. And this guy with these muddy boots that they start calling Muddy Boot Guy... Comes in to talk to the guy that's staring at the screens. And that's about the time that we learn that they have not been really lucky. It's just that this guy has been ordered not to remove his eyes from the screens under pain of death. Right. So he, like, could not turn around. Um, and then the muddy boot guy complains about being on watch in the playground because he's, like, an eight-year-old. And he takes off his boot and dumps out a bunch of dirt and a wood chip. Um... And then after a while, after complaining for like ten minutes, Muddy Boot Guy leaves, and Tobias and Axe like sneak a look at the screens, and they can see like more than half the cameras are trained on this playground equipment, and the main focus is this tunnel. So like, presumably that's the entrance to the Yerk Pool. So they take about an hour to sneak out of the basement and meet back up with the rest of the team, at which point they had arranged themselves all around the entrance to the Yerk Pool, of this tunnel. Um, Jake was an owl looking out, and he was directing Marco, Rachel, and Cassie, who were flies, about how to get into the tunnel to scout it out. A controller enters, they follow the guy in, and this guy apparently runs, like, the Animorphs version of Bass Pro Shop. <laughs> so they're like, we know him! Oh <laughs> um, my god. Like, they, they did, though, that's what they said! Oh. <laughs> Um, so they see him go into the tunnel, they watch him punch in a code, some airlock unsealed, they're like, whoa, that's crazy, okay, this is it, and so they, like, fly out of there, they're like, alright, let's spring this trap, and Rachel was
1: like, let's fuck shit up! But why, why, was, why wasn't there a biogleat filter? I think because
0: they wanted to trap them, and
1: we all knew Oh, that. so they turned, okay, yeah.
0: Yeah, they were trying to get them. That was, like, the, um... I think it's mentioned earlier. I don't think I mentioned it when I was recapping, but um, it was mentioned earlier that they are trying to trap the Animorphs. So they left, like, this tunnel, everybody's like, that's so obvious. And they're like, yeah, because they're trying to get us. Um, But, yeah. So they realize that's what it is. Blah, blah, blah. They scouted out. And Rachel was, like, doing her normal, like, bravado talk. And Marco was, like, poking fun at all of them. Cassie was concerned. All the usual shit. But for whatever reason, it's setting Tobias on edge that night, probably because he was the one that had to get caught. Um, and then Rachel starts speaking to him privately, and she asks him if he was okay and if he still wanted to do it. And Tobias is like, yeah, I'm fine. You know, I'll do it. And Rachel's like, okay, but if the mission goes sideways, save yourself. Don't prioritize the mission over your life. And Tobias has this moment where he's, like, now, if we were both humans and we were talking to each other and, like, looking into each other's eyes, this conversation would end, like... And then he kind of, like, trails off and he goes, "No, I'm a hawk, she's a fly. And he's, like, he, he tells her that he will come back and he will prioritize his life because he has a lot to lose. Oh. Yeah, like this is the first time he said something like this. Like Aww. he he's always done the heroic thing because he has nothing to lose, and now he has a lot to yes.
1: lose. Oh, they love each
0: other and it's cute. They love each other. He's getting his family,
1: even if it's weird. I like, Well, and I feel like before if this had been any other book, I would say Rachel seemed a little out of character but this is coming off of her last book which i feel like as evidence in this book i feel like last book really just shook her up yeah and so like she some traits of like nice rachel are kind of coming out in this book which i really really appreciate
0: yeah i i totally agree with that and i think um she's even Kind of letting herself be more vulnerable. Yeah, with a lot of them, especially with Tobias, I think more than anybody else. Aww. So. Yeah, it's interesting. And like I, I never um, read any of those characteristics in this book and think, oh, this writer didn't nail Rachel's tone. It's not that at all. It definitely reads like, yeah. oh, this is because of what happened.
1: Yeah, I. So the other thing about Rachel that I would that. I noticed in this book was um, she has a lot less tolerance for bullshit. Like mm-hmm. she like Tobias makes a mention of this. I don't know if it was like before this or after this or whatever, but like Marco makes a joke and Rachel who usually likes to like make fun of him just like absolutely did not tolerate it. Yeah. So I don't know. She seems, yeah. seems a little more uptight.
0: I I think so. I think um I think at this point her and Marco's relationship kind of has started to change a little bit mm-hmm. and I don't know if that is because of like how he was in the last book.
1: A terrible like, person, towards- you mean?
0: Right. Like making those sorts of comments Ugh. like I think that it may have change just the way she thought of him because i know like it would change the way i thought of somebody if they started doing that too like if you've always like kind of known like okay they may have a little bit of a crush on me or whatever yeah but then something happens and they start going for it and it's just like such a like if it's so gross it's like it's really changed like you know what i thought about you
1: (laughs) yeah i don't know i just i I mean i agree with that like you know i'd be yeah. In the, her same position. But also, like, I don't want that to be the reason. Like, I don't. If. if And it might not yeah, be. Yeah, I just. Yeah. If if Rachel and Marco had a falling out, I don't want it to be over, like, because Marco was being gross. Yeah. You know, I want it to be because of, like, like a plot related reason or, like, They they disagreed so heavily on something that they just could not reconcile and they had a falling out or something. I don't know. Not just because Marco is yeah. being a little creepazoid.
0: <sighs> well, and it might just be this book, too. Because if there's something that we've learned about Rachel, it's that she really reacts to how Marco treats Tobias a lot of the time. Sure. And Tobias and Marco in this book have an extremely interesting relationship that we will see a lot more of later. Uh-huh. And I I really loved the way those two characters interacted mm-hmm in this book yeah so so maybe it'll change in the next book maybe we probably won't know any of that though there's probably a whole bunch of behind the scenes shit and we won't know because the next book i believe is cassie oh yeah so we won't know anything about anybody (laughs) except for cassie Uh, and maybe some yerk that she decides to adopt from (laughs) god knows fucking where oh no (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> so salty uh, I
0: I don't mean to be like I just it's just excess rage coming off the last book where <laughs> she treated her
1: best friend like shit
0: yeah exactly anyway sorry I'll get back to this because this is um this is the second really amazing soundscape scene that she built so like there's this moment of Silence as they start their attack. So Tobias is going to dive in. Axe is coming, like, running out of the woods like they're attacking. But, like, the way that they build this up, Tobias can hear the loudspeaker MC talking in the background kind of distantly. He can hear this wind rumbling. And then he can hear a rope snapping on a flagpole. And, like, that for me, like, I can hear that sound in my head right now. And so... As Tobias starts to go and dive in, it was almost like this World War Two plane scene. Like if they kill the engine and start a dive and you just hear that like growing silence and then all of a sudden you start hearing like the the sounds building as he's like, you know, going faster and faster towards where he's going and then all of a sudden you hear Axe's mad galloping oh, coming off from the edge. Yeah. It was so cool. <laughs> I just loved the way this was written because it, built this like just insane kind of sensory experience right here it was so cool um but yeah so that this is like the start of their attack and like then once we hear axe running and coming towards the tunnel and like you know tobias is going in and rachel's still hanging on to him as a fly. He's, like, you know, running towards the tunnel, alarms start blaring, Axe runs into the tunnel, slashing, Tobias follows him in and, like, kills his speed, and then he goes, Alright, Axe, get out of here, so Axe kind of, like, clatters around and, like, runs out of there with spotlights on him now, and the whole point of Axe, like, running in and out of the tunnel was to prove to the Yerks that it was an attack, so... Part of this whole thing is Axe is risking his life only for a ruse. There is no reason for him to be in there. Oh, I know. Um, and then Tobias, like, flies into the open hatch area. The door seals behind him. And Rachel goes, are we in? And Tobias goes, yeah, we are. And then he can hear the Hork-Bajir breathing in the darkness. And he goes, and we're not alone. Dun, dun, dun. Oh, it was so cool. So, um, the lights turn on, and they're surrounded by about three dozen or so hork and a girl who Tobias initially thought w- looked exactly like Rachel, and then he, like, trips up for a moment, then he realizes, oh, that's, like, not Rachel, it's just another, like, pretty blonde-haired girl right there. They all look the same. Um, they're all- I can't tell them <laughs> oh, apart. No. All blondes look the same. Oh, no. <laughs> um, and then, like, Chapman fucking- God, is such a dork.
1: Like, <laughs> this whole scene is weird.
0: The, yeah, like, because clearly, like, it's this girl who's a teenager, and then Chapman, and this girl, like, is like, oh, we've got you now, Andalites, and then Chapman's like, uh-huh, two birds in the hand, or a bird in the hand is are two in the bush, and the girl's like, shut the fuck up, you sound like some Batman villain. And I was like, and you
1: fucking don't? <laughs> like,
0: Yeah, right? and she stomps her foot when she says it too like a pouty toddler oh my god uh, and then the other really interesting thing that i loved the way that this character built from here is she introduces herself by her yerk name which i didn't bother to write down cuz it's going to be like blah 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 525 or whatever um she's subvisor 51 and then she goes but call me taylor which is her uh human name the human infested human name and then Chapman says that. He's like, oh, yeah, that's that's her host name. And she's like, stop telling them things about me. <laughs> it's really fucking weird.
1: <laughs>
0: yeah. Um, it's about that time that Rachel's like, by the way, Tobias, you're supposed to be pretending to still be like fighting and shit. So he like gives out a weird cry and like tries to like fly up. And Taylor just smashes his head, like smashes Tobias down to the floor. And that's when he realized that she has prosthetic limbs Um, and that like he's like, okay, well, this isn't going well. And Taylor continues to like try and get a rise out of him and get him to say something. Um, Finally, Tobias gives her just like a throwaway like I'm a prisoner. I will not say anymore. Um, And then Tobias starts morphing Andalite to like, you know, prove that he's an Andalite bandit. And Taylor raises one of her artificial limbs, and it shoots out this gas that paralyzes everybody in the room except her. And then she giggles like a fucking maniac and says, oh, did I forget to tell everybody to take the antidote? Oh, silly me.
1: She's like a weird sadist.
0: Yes. <laughs> yes, she is. Uh, and then he, they drag Tobias out of there, still like part andalite, part hawk. Um, Rachel begins to lose her grip on his feathers because she too is paralyzed and then she starts falling off and paralyzed and Tobias like it's this like really kind of heartbreaking scene it almost reminded me of the beginning of X-Men when Magneto is being taken into the camp. Oh no! Where he's like yeah like he's getting dragged away from her and he can't do anything and he's screaming at her to demorph, and she's like I, won't, I can't. I can't. Like I can't let them know. And he's telling her, like, it, it isn't important, like, just D de- more. If it doesn't matter, you got to do it. You can't get stuck as a fly. And then they throw him into this dark metal box and completely cut him off Aww. from her. It was really, really sad. <sighs> um, and he's just having, like, all these visions of her being paralyzed on the floor and getting stepped on and killed and all that sort of stuff. So, it's bad. Um, so... Tobias is paralyzed and half-morphed in the small metal box. His wings are pinned to his sides. His hawk brain starts to lose it because he's in this confined space and he can't move. And Tobias is struggling to control it, but he can't. Like, the only way he kind of keeps any sort of semblance of calm is he starts talking to himself, and he's saying shit like, it's okay if you're going to be trapped as, like, a half-hawk, half-Andalite being. It's fine. You're going to be trapped, but it's okay. Like, it's not even something positive. Like,
1: <laughs> it's literally just nice. talking.
0: Yeah, it's literally just talking to himself. Um, but finally, they get him into a larger box, and they unparalyze him, and it's blindingly bright in there. It takes him a while to adjust his eyesight. Uh, He can see he's in this glass cube, and he can kind of see all around him into this room where he sees, like, Taylor's there and, like, Corpusher and stuff. It's fucking nuts. Um, And he immediately morphs back to Hawk because he's like, this is the way to go. Uh, And there's this three-button panel on the side of this box that he's suspended in. So he's, like, noticing all of this crazy shit around him and that he's suspended in the air, that there's this panel, blah, blah, blah. And then Taylor starts talking to him from somewhere and saying, like, demorph. And he's like, well, this is definitely a play. And, of course, she means demorph, like, go to Andelite, She thinks he's right. an Andalite. And um, she, he's like, well, this is a play to get a yerk into my head, so I'm going to stay Hawk. And she goes, that's fine. Obviously, you think I'm going to infest you as an Andalite. That's fine for now. And then Tobias, like, starts approaching these buttons on the panel. Like, that's what he decides to focus on and he gets this like huge wave of pain it's like electricity hits him in his beak and like goes through his whole body and he just kind of loses control and and it's insane pain viscer three enters the room god tobias immediately gets filled with a sense of dread looking at him um, and Visitor 3 starts saying how they followed the Andalite back to his scoop in the woods and they destroyed him and destroyed his scoop and how they captured and killed the other Andalites hiding around the woods, around the entrance. And Tobias quickly figures out that it has to be a lie because he wouldn't kill such valuable guinea pigs. But it's just the fact that there's that doubt there that he might have killed Axe or he might have killed one of them. Mm-hmm. So they bring in the scientists who built the anti-morphing ray, And these guys are, like, sweaty, blundering, nervous wrecks. (laughs) They are just doofuses. Um, So they start setting up this ray gun, and they train it on Tobias, and it looks like something, like, an amateur telescope enthusiast might have, like this giant fucking ray going down to this tiny point. Um, And they start to boot it up, and they, like two fucking goons... Like, go up next to each other and push the button together, because they built it together.
1: Uh.
0: I know, it's gross. Um, And it warms up, there's a bunch of noise, Tobias feels like a warm sensation, and then nothing, because, of course, nothing happens, because he is a hawk, and that is his body. So, the scientists start pleading and saying, like, no, it has to work, there's no way it doesn't work, this is some sort of Andalite trick, the science is perfect, we've done it. And Visor Three is just like, yeah, you're fucking dumb. And then slowly and painfully feeds them to the Taxons who are starving below the floor. There's like a panel that moves out, and they just like slowly feed them down there, and then listen to their screams as they die. Whee!
1: You know, yeah. for kids,
0: kids books. Um, yeah. Taylor looks kind of unsettled for a moment, and then Visor Three orders her to get Tobias back to Andalite so they can infest him. Uh, and then Taylor turns to Tobias and says, you can cooperate with me or we can make this horrible. He's going to make it horrible. Yay. Spoilers. Should we like put in a little bit of like a
1: a disclaimer Turtle here? warning situation. Yeah. Warning, lots of torture is about to happen. From here until the
0: last chapter of the book, shit gets really, really dark. Yeah. So if you don't like like torture and child abuse and that sort of thing then like this just isn't the book for you to listen to <laughs> so if you can handle that we'll try to make it as light as possible
1: <laughs> fun torture yes no. No.
0: no we'll just we'll just try to treat it with the respect it deserves while still making shitty jokes <laughs> um <laughs> i'm laughing because i'm uncomfortable no big deal
1: <laughs> uh,
0: anyways, this is where shit gets crazy. Um, So Taylor, like, comes up to the wall of this cube, and she's, like, staring right at Tobias, who's already uncomfortable because he feels like an animal in a zoo because she's right there staring at him. And Taylor demands that he demorphs, and he's like, I will not give you another body to infest. So she asks him, do you want to be trapped as a hawk? And he didn't answer. So she kind of hovers over this panel of buttons, and there's a red one, there's a black one, and there's a blue one. She kind of hovers over the red one, and then just goes and slams her hand down on it. And the cube started to glow red, and then an indescribable pain tore through Tobias, and he started screaming. It was horrible. There was nothing he could do about it. It was just, every nerve ending in his body was on fire, and it was horrific. Um, And so taylor starts bragging (laughs) so after like she lets up on the button he is shaking kind of can't really stand he has not much connection to the talking part of his brain right now and so she starts telling him a little bit about what this is and she's like isn't this great i like our yerk scientists came up with it and i'd love to hear an opinion from an andalite But basically, it's this torture machine that plugs directly into the pain areas of the brain, and it can control physical and emotional pain. And that was the lowest setting. And Tobias still can't answer her because he is in so much pain, he doesn't have control of his body. And Taylor goes, don't make this so easy for me. And for a moment, he was tripped up by like how much she looked like Rachel. But then he stopped himself to say like, no, these similarities are only skin deep. Kind of. He makes a comparison like, it's night and day, or at least night and twilight. (laughs) Yeah, which was like kind of a harsh thing to say, (laughs) but I get where he's coming from. Like, Rachel has an edge to her. (laughs) Yeah, so then Taylor pushes the button again, and Tobias was filled with this horrific pain and this time he loses total control of his body his wings are shaking he, he can't grab anything with his talons he's like just grasping at empty air mm-hmm. he pooped himself and the boy inside of the body is screaming and just wants to tell her everything so the pain stops and he's just screaming like just tell her to himself he's screaming just tell her just tell her but the hawk didn't understand why it hurts or why this was happening So the hawk was just like, well, life is pain. This is life now. So Tobias keeps fighting to retreat into the hawk because the hawk just doesn't understand anything that's going on. And he's like, if I can just bury the human, then I can cope with this. I can get through this. And the hawk has already come to expect the pain and live with the pain. So the hawk part of his brain is already like, this is it. Um, It was Tobias himself that could not handle this. So he tells, he keeps telling himself, let it go. Let myself go. And eventually he actually says it like in thought speech to Taylor and Taylor goes, repeat that. And then she goes, and whatever, and just continues to like slam on the button. Um, As hard as Tobias was trying to keep things like under wraps and like to not let his human side feel that pain to let the hawk handle it, things just kept coming up. And then the emotional starts started, like the emotional part started, So pain, shame, embarrassment, and then he starts getting memories. And the first thing that comes up is he was talking to his uncle, and it was mid-afternoon, but all the curtains in the house were drawn, and his uncle already is sitting in his chair with a beer in hand for the evening. And he was telling his uncle that his one of his drawings that he did in his art class got entered into a contest, and it made it all the way to the state level. Aww. And he was asking for his uncle to go and take him to see his drawing get recognized at this art show. Um, and his uncle goes, well, is there any money in it? And Tobias goes, no. And his uncle goes, then what good is it? Aww. And I know. <laughs> it's sad. Um, he basically just shut Tobias down, and so Tobias goes upstairs because he can't cry in front of his uncle, and he's crying in his room, and when he looks out the window, just to rub it in, just for the universe to rub it in, um, he saw a little girl getting home with her mom across the street, and the little girl had this crumpled finger painting, and the mother was holding it like it was the Mona Lisa, taking it into the house. And yeah, his thought was like, why is the world specifically out to hurt me? Um, And then as he was crying in this memory, something went and wiped away one of his tears. And when he looked, it was feathers. And then Tobias just started screaming. Uh, And then the pain sort of stopped and he came to and Taylor was there laughing um, so Taylor demands that Tobias demorphs again and when he did not comply she continued to press the buttons and every time she presses this button there's a new wave of horrific physical pain but also also new memories that were really painful for him. So it starts off with like the bully waiting to beat him up after school, um, Aria telling him he was family and she was going to take him to a place and be his family and then realizing it was Visor 3. Uh, his bully punching him in the face and that one he reached up to like grab his nose cause the bully hit him in the nose and when he reached up it was a beak and then he starts going through every story that Cassie told him about animal abuse oh yeah so this was this...
1: harsh to read for me
0: this was so sick and like the first one like I started to get so angry here and the first one was like probably the most disgusting but then like the other ones were so horrific as well, but in a different way. Um, but the first one he has is the the Canada goose that got clubbed by, I wrote, sick, twisted boys who thought it was funny. Yeah. And Tobias felt his skull crack under the baseball bat and heard their laughter as they hit him and killed oh. him. And then he was a wolf running away from men in helicopters who were shooting at him and who had shot the rest of his pack dead. And they were going to run him until his heart exploded. Um, and then Tobias screamed that he wanted to go home, and Taylor starts responding, your home is light years away, blah blah blah, so he like tunes her out again. And then he was the wolf that was running the caribou really hard, uh, and then he was hunting a squirrel, and he had this moment where he knew that he was a good hunter, and so he would be able to get the squirrel, and he was so efficient that he could kill it without it ever screaming or having to go through the pain of anything else. But when he grabbed it, the squirrel started screaming. And when he looked down, he didn't have his talents, but he had fleshy human hands that were covered in blood. Um, And then Taylor orders him to demorph again. And Tobias... (laughs) This is, like, really horrible. But um, he just gets, like, plunged into this other, like, wave of pain. And this one was the culmination of every strike he'd ever dealt in battle as an anamorph. So, like... Every swipe to a hork every time he had, like, you know, gone after somebody's head, or slashed, or anything like that, it all came to him all at the same time, and he wonders if this was payback. And then, all of that faded out, and there was a moment of peace. And Taylor, meanwhile, was extremely frustrated. She shoved a hork who, like, it didn't do anything. Fucking hork And, uh, She started flipping through the manual that the scientists that they fed to the taxons left. And uh, finally, she smiled, which is not a good thing. And she goes, there's no pain without pleasure. So she comes back over to the panel and she kind of does the same thing she did with the red button, where she kind of like hovers over the blue button and hesitates and then just slams her hand down on the blue button And it started dredging up these good memories, laughter and bouncing on a trampoline as a kid and walking barefoot. And the hawk didn't understand this part. Like, the hawk knew the pain and the hawk could deal with that. And it knew satisfaction from a good hunt, but it doesn't know the pleasure. And so the hawk part of him started to recede because Tobias the boy was the only part of the brain that was reacting to the pleasure part. And Tobias was begging for the hawk to come back because he knew what was going to happen next. And then it did. She hit the pain button, but the hawk was no longer there to protect him. It was just totally on the boy, Tobias. And then the pleasure came, and this time there was sun and happiness, and Tobias picked berries and the sun on his face and eating the delicious berries. And Then an old woman came out to scold him for taking the berries, he thought. But then she just invited him in and fed him delicious treats and, and just told him stories, and it was wonderful. And then she slams on the pain button. So he's doing this crazy yo-yo of pleasure and pain, and it's just breaking him down because the pleasure part is stripping him of the hawk part of his brain, and then he has to live with the the pain part all within his Tobias human so, brain.
1: So, um, the woman who was nice to him... Yeah. Um, he mentions... Her name is Professor Powers. Yeah. Reoccurring character?
0: Not to the best of my recollection.
1: Oh, why why mention it then, I guess? I don't
0: know. Oh. <laughs> I just don't know.
1: <laughs> it seemed like a it seemed like a foreshadowing sort of name drop situation, but
0: Yeah, I don't I don't believe they're ever mentioned again.
1: Weird. Yeah.
0: Or if they are, I've completely forgotten about it. This is fun. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So Taylor's. Um, well, so while this is all happening, he's having this the other thing, the Professor Powers thing back to pain. Um, while all of this is going on, Taylor's also counting him down to when he's going to be trapped in more forever for sure. Um, so she's telling him shit like you have at most 12 minutes left before you're trapped as a hawk forever. Uh, And then the last couple memories he has before they tip over that edge is he has memories of feeding baby rabbits with the rest of the Animorphs and then the Elemist asking him if he was happy. And then finally (laughs) she goes, you're trapped as a hawk forever. And Tobias has no sense of like who he is or what he is or what it means to be trapped as a hawk or what's happening or what noise means or anything. His brain is
1: fried.
0: His brain is totally scrambled. And then when Taylor told him that he was trapped forever, he didn't know if it was Taylor telling him that, Rachel telling him that, or him telling himself that. So I don't know what, like, kind of... I feel like that's a significant thing of he can't tell who it is that's telling himself that he's trapped forever. And I don't know if that was supposed to be, like, an echo of... Like, he heard it from a third-party source, he heard it from somebody he loved and trusted, and then he finally had to come to terms with it himself? Or if this was just kind of a throwaway, like, his brain was so fucked up he didn't know? Yeah. Maybe there's more meaning to this. I don't know. So, Taylor was frustrated at this point because she is not getting an Andalite to infest, and she has failed in what Visor 3 has asked her to do, which, as we know, never turns out well. So her hand starts hovering over the pain button again. And Tobias knows he cannot take it anymore. So he is like, all right, let's see if I can talk to Taylor. And so Taylor was taunting him, telling him his friends were going to betray him. And he goes, no, they wouldn't. And she paused and she's like, yeah, they would, though. And he goes, well, what do you know about disloyalty? And then he tells her she's very pretty, which he immediately regrets. But it was this that struck a nerve with Taylor she touched her face and she's like, yeah, I know. I used to be the most popular and the prettiest girl in school.
1: <laughs> this is my backstory now.
0: It, yeah, it pretty much was like that. Um, except there, there was like a moment here, too, where Tobias goes, you know, that Visitor 3 is going to kill you for your failure. And she goes, I know, but I'm going to keep going because you're going to die and I want to see you die. So, like, this is the moment she reveals she has, like, she doesn't give a shit anymore about what happens. She just wants to kill Tobias. Wow. Yeah. But Tobias is trying to keep her talking. Uh, anything. Anything at all mm. to keep her talking. And uh, she goes, well, visitor 3 can't totally get rid of me because he doesn't have controllers like me. I'm special. I'm voluntary. And Tobias keeps asking her questions like, so why are you a voluntary? Blah, blah, blah. And that's when we get her backstory about being the most popular and beautiful girl at school. And the yerk, like, what I really enjoyed about the scene was the yerk couldn't keep itself and herself straight. So it was like, they were talking and it would be like, you know, we had the perfect life. I had the perfect life. And, you know, my parents, our parents, her parents, like... It it was really interesting to hear that and, like, to hear what a voluntary controller would be like because there was so little difference between what their wants were. Mm-hmm. So that was interesting. Um, so Taylor had the perfect life, went to all the parties, hung out with all the cool kids, had a great time, until one night there was a fire at her house when her parents were out partying. Um, and she woke up to this blazing fire in her room. She lost her arm, her leg, and her face was badly burned. And when she was in the hospital, her friends visited her once, and then they started spreading all of these, not, like, rumors, I guess, around school that she was just a hideous, deformed monster now. I mean, she had some facial damage, but, like, that is a mean way to say that. Sure. Um, so the sharing promised her better. They're like, hey... If you come in and you take advantage of everything and accept everything we're offering to you, then we will get you repaired. We will fix your face and we will make sure you are have the top quality, whatever you need. Um, and so Taylor agreed. And we find out that the reason they wanted Taylor was to get to Taylor's mom, who is the chief of police. Uh, which comes into play in a second. So uh, Subvisor Fifty One was supposed to infest somebody else and somebody with more power. But then once Subvisor Fifty One got to Taylor, they realized like what a perfect life she had, and the Yurk wanted that life. Like it wanted the popularity and to like live this weird party lifestyle. And so like it seems like the Yurk was almost saying like I passed up better shit to stay in this weird girl. it's it was a very weird moment um and then taylor admits to betraying her mother and having her mother forcibly taken and then tobias is like so basically you suffered a lot so you want to make up for it by causing everybody else to suffer and taylor looked defeated for a moment and uh or taylor replied she's a sub visitor in the York empire when tobias is like who the fuck are you And then Tobias goes, no, you're a scared little girl and you're insane. And Taylor looks defeated for a moment and then goes, well, join in in my madness. And like, slams down on the pain button again. Uh. Um, And then Taylor starts doing this thing where she's just hitting the pleasure button and and pain buttons like one after the other. And it's sending Tobias in these huge yo-yos of where he's laughing maniacally and then reeling into pain and then it's like tickling and then it's like being hit with a two by four. It's like you know, laughing and everything's good and then getting punched in the stomach. Um, And Tobias starts smashing his own body against the sides of the cubes, trying to end it all. And it gets to the point where he hits his face so hard that his beak splinters and it sends more pain into his body because his beak is shattered. And he starts hating the other Animorphs in this moment. He goes, everybody who isn't here with me experiencing this pain, I hate. And then he starts going, if only Rachel were here... And then he starts screaming that he'll tell Taylor everything. He's like, I'll betray everybody. I'll tell you whatever you want to know, blah, blah, blah. But she is so far beyond this. She doesn't want his information. She only wants to inflict pain on him. So she just continues slamming the buttons. She doesn't listen to anything he's saying. Jeez. Um, Yeah. And finally, Tobias spirals so far out of control with pain that he ends up in this memory that's different than the other ones where it's clearer and it's longer and then he realizes that he's standing in this clearing with this andalite with a scythe tail and he's like this is familiar to me but i don't know why and then the tip of the andalite's tail touches his forehead and his brain just explodes with memories that are not his own we cut to elfangor's memories it's his ship hurtling towards a desbedine tanker and it's like a figure eight ship. And he has to fly through one of the rings of these ships and make an escape. But there wasn't enough room. So he like slams into it and then gets ejected through the other side and, and is in space in an escape pod. And his body is tumbling and hitting the sides of the ship as it went. And then it cut to him being plunged into battle with a taxon where he sliced, over it, sliced open its side and heard it scream. And he goes, anybody that said taxons were unfeeling they've never fought a tax and it was scared and it he could see all the emotions in it, even though he had to cut it open. And then it um cuts to Elfanger five years out of his timeline where he's had Lauren and Tobias and he's going through a ritual for their happiness and well being. It's about that point that Tobias hears Elfanger's voice and he's telling him, You're not alone. You may die, but you are never alone. You are part of a long line of warriors. And Tobias focuses on this pinprick of light that's really distant and fading, and as he's getting further and further away, he's realizing, "Oh, that's death. I'm going to die. This is how it ends." And he hears voices. He hears Visitor Three saying that he would make the Andalite talk, and Tobias realizes he has to fight to hold on to that pinprick of light out of respect for life itself. He had to drag himself out of this. And so he did. He dragged himself back into consciousness towards that light until it became wide enough that it was the whole room and he was back inside that cube. Which is fucking brutal. <laughs> yeah! So Visor 3 boldly announces he has a new plan to make Tobias talk. He brings in an eagle in a cage and Tobias is at first horrified and going, No, 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 no. Um, and Visor 3 saying, We found this bird near the... the Playground and blah blah blah. And Tobias looks at this bird that's bloodied and it has a broken wing. And he goes, and it also has matted feathers and a bald spot on its chest. And he breathes a sigh of relief.
1: A Trojan horse of sorts.
0: Yeah. I had to go all the way back and add this to my notes (laughs) at the beginning because of
1: this. Oh my god.
0: Um. Yeah, so Taylor goes, well, should we torture the eagle to get information from the eagle? And Visor 3 goes, no, I'll kill the eagle, and this one will talk. And so a taxon enters the room and comes up to the cage, and Visor 3 basically tips this eagle out into the taxon, and they eat it in a few bites, and it's gone. And Visor 3 is like, eh? Eh?
1: What? But,
0: like, you know, that didn't really work, dude. You kind of, like, tipped your hand too early, but whatever. Um, so then Visor 3 goes, alright, kill this one, but do it slowly. And Visor 3 leaves. Um, after he's gone... Tobias is the only one that notices that behind Taylor and her Hork-Bajur, is an Andalite twisting out of the body of a flea. And Tobias is, like, staring at it, like, is this a mirage? Is this real life? Um, And Taylor's, you know, talking shit. So Axe is demorphing behind her, but... He's Tobias is like, well, he'll never win. It's one Andalite against 12 Hork-Bajure. This is This is just crazy. There's no way. And then Axe goes, it's fine. Everybody else is just outside the door. I just have to open it. And he's like, oh, okay, great. <laughs> um, once Axe has fully made it to Andalite, he, like, flaps his tail blade against the thing to open the door and then knocks out a hork and the other rush into battle. And it's just this huge chaotic thing where, like, the only one that knows how crazy Taylor is right now is Tobias. So the rest of the team is like dealing with the Horkbirger, but they're kind of letting Taylor get away with stuff because she's a human. Um, so everybody's rushing into battle except for Marco, who somehow has a grappling hook, and also Taylor hates gorillas. I don't really know what that was about. Um, she saw him, she's like a gorilla, and Marco's like, "Yeah, gorilla." Like, <laughs> It was really weird. But um, he throws up a grappling hook around a beam, which lets him climb up. And he, of course, is followed by the much more nimble hork who are, like, keeping up with him. But Marco manages to swing over towards Tobias until he hits a bunch of loose wires, which can't support his weight, so they start pulling it out of the ceiling. And Marco's trying to swing on it, and a bajurs like, I got this, and it cuts the wire so Marco falls, but it just ends up electrocuting itself to a crisp. And Marco manages to swing onwards and get towards the cube. And eventually he lands on top of the cube, which just sends it like tumbling on this crazy pendulum and Tobias is like smashing into the sides and Marco is profusely apologizing. Um, <laughs> and he tries to unscrew part of the top of it, but he's not having much luck when two other hork land on it and send it swinging wildly again. One of the hork immediately slides off and it pales itself on its own tail blade, Um, But the other one is able to hold on. And the way that it held on to the top of this is by embedding its tail blade into Marco's leg. So he is in horrific pain. And Tobias can see Marco's gorilla face with its teeth bared pressed right up against the glass. And then he starts noticing the dripping of blood. Like, this is another scene where, like, they start talking about the noise of, like, blood drops starting to fall on top of the cube. And then more. And then gushing blood and, like, all falling out of him. So that was fucking crazy as well. Like, crazy good description. Um, and then Cassie's the one that's supposed to be going after Taylor. But, like, Cassie's not going after her hard, I think, because she's a human. And uh, Taylor turns around, smashes Cassie's snout with a draken beam, which loosens Cassie's grip, and she, like, kind of backs off. And then Taylor takes aim at Marco, and Taylor fires. She hits the cable that's holding on the cube. And the cube just drops. It hits the ground and it shatters. There is glass everywhere cutting up absolutely everybody who's down there. There is a dead hork Majure pinning Tobias down. And Marco is holding on to the cable still. But because it just got hit with the Draken beam, it, bur- like, it gets really, really hot. And starts burning through his flesh and everything. And so he drops, like, just drops off this cable lands on the ground, lands in the glass, so cuts himself to ribbons. It's just a horrible, bloody, terrible, messy scene. Um, and Marco's screaming out loud and in thought speak. It's very brutal. Taylor, meanwhile, is running for Tobias. She is focused only on him. So she grabs him, but then lets him go to go back and grab the the panel of the torture device. And Tobias starts trying to morph Andalite, but is, like, too weak. So he basically just gets, like, arms coming out of his chest. And then just starts trying to say help, but nobody can hear him. Like his voice is so weak that over this battle, nobody's paying attention except for Marco, who is seeing him. And he's desperately trying to get to him, but Marco's legs are just giving out because of the glass and the pain and the huge wound that the hork inflicted on him. So Taylor gets back to Tobias first and she grabs like one of his tiny andalite hands and is just crushing it. And she's running and dragging him out of the room. She drags him out onto this this pier that's overlooking this huge subterranean yerk pool. And I just started picturing, like, in Star Wars, like, when, uh, spoilers, I guess, Darth Vader cuts off Luke's hand. Like, Mm -hmm. those piers overlooking. So that's, like, what I'm picturing, but down below, instead of just open space, they can see the Yurk Pool stories below and hear the echoing screams of all the people being infested that don't want to be.
1: For ambiance.
0: Evil ambiance. Uh, so Taylor kind of has to yell over the screams of the people because that's how fucking loud it is. Um, And she basically says, I don't care what you are. I don't care how you have this power to morph over the two-hour time limit. I don't care about any of that. I only care that you die. And then she starts to crush his tiny andalite hands until the bones crack and then lets go of him. But Tobias holds on to Taylor's artificial arm with all of his might. And she's trying to shake him off, but only succeeds in dropping the control to the torture device into the yerk pool. And she screams in rage, starts trying to shake him off harder, and Tobias falls. But through some miracle, he's able to get a talon into a hold only a few feet down off of this pier. And he's caught on to something, but he's holding on with pure adrenaline. He doesn't have any strength. He's so weak. And so he's starting to slip. And Taylor is looking out over the edge. She's trying to knock him down. He is just out of reach of her. And then two grizzly paws reach up over her shoulders and pull her back. This is about the time we realize that Rachel's come into town. Yay! She reaches down, grabs Tobias, scoops him up, gets him up on top of the pier. And then she turns on Taylor and she starts knocking her around. She pins her up against the wall and starts crushing her throat with a giant grizzly paw. And Tobias saw in that moment this weird dichotomy where he's looking at Rachel and going... This grizzly bear is an inner manifestation of her strength and of her bravery and of her power. And here's Taylor, weak and obsessed with her looks. And, like, these two are not similar at all, even if they kind of look similar. Um, And then he realizes that Taylor is turning blue and dying and Rachel is just ready to crush her. And Tobias tells Rachel to stop. And Rachel goes, no, she dies for what she did to you. This is it. She's ended. And Tobias goes, she will die by Wizard 3's hand. She let an Andalite escape. But right now, he needed Rachel to be like Rachel and not like Taylor. And so Rachel just discards Taylor and lets her crumple like trash on the ground. And that is the end of the torture scene. Whee! For kids! For kids. So now we are at the last scene in the book. And it's all of the Animorphs except Rachel are at the beach. And even Axe and Tobias are in their human forms. And Axe is going to go fly a kite he made with trash. So fucking cute. He has a trash kite made of bags. A trash kite. <laughs> and uh, he's like, I find this peaceful. And um, Jake and Marco were trying to play catch and trying to, like, really force having a good time. Like, they're trying to be really upbeat. even though the... <laughs> They're dead inside. Yeah. Oh God! And then Tobias, since Axe is there with his trash kite, he goes to talk to him, and he said, "Hey, I thought I saw something when I was dying. I think it's just a hallucination, but like it felt really real." And he goes, "It was elfangor And Axe is startled, and he's like, "Well, there's some medicine andalite, medicine men andalite that thought Utsum was a thing, and that's when death is imminent—a final push of strength." were these visions that warriors would get to help carry them through in their final moments. And Axe kind of pondered that for a while. And he even forgot his kite. Tobias had to go grab his kite back because it blew down the beach. And Axe was, like, so wrapped up in whether or not this Utsum thing could be a real thing. And so Tobias brings his kite back. And then shortly thereafter, he sees a flash of gold down the beach. And it was Rachel. She had come out to join them. And Tobias ran over to her, and when he got there, he just threw himself at her into a huge hug. And she asked him if it was bad, and he said, yeah. And he tried to tell her that he almost died, and he tries a few ways to start off saying, like, yeah, it almost ended, or it was almost over, but he stopped short each time. Um, And after a while, she just goes, do you want to go flying? And he says yes, and she's like, okay, let's do it, except after this, and then kisses him. And then she laughs and says, let's go flying. And then when they are safely up on a thermal above the beach, Tobias contemplates again, who am I? But he says he has a lifetime to figure it out. And that is this book. Ouch. What did you think? Oh, man, this book was harsh. It was so harsh.
1: Oh, I don't know if I was expecting the torture to last that long. It was, like, half the book.
0: It was, and, like, it seems like we skipped through it a lot, but it was because we just did a straight read of it. Like, we didn't talk like we normally do. But, yeah, it's half this book, for sure. Oh. It's a lot.
1: Yeah. Character development through torture. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, but we did say we would talk about that redeeming bit at the end where, um... Rachel recognizes that to be comforted, he would become a hawk and go flying.
1: That was great. Yeah.
0: I did Aww. appreciate that. Yes. Aww. And uh, I appreciated everybody trying to have fun at the beach. Just. Uh,
1: <laughs> they tried so hard.
0: <laughs> they were trying so, so hard and failing.
1: And Cassie was looking for injured animals. Like, <laughs> oh, my God. But, I mean, that's, like, everyone was doing their own thing to unwind. Like, Cassie was trying to be helpful to nature. And Marco and Jake were trying to, you know, be boys. Guys being dudes. Trying to be dudes. Yeah. Axe had his little kite. His trash kite. His little trash (laughs) kite. Oh. I'm glad his scoop wasn't actually destroyed. I was thinking about his his TV, and his picture of the cinnamon bun. (laughs) I was like, oh no, a little house. That Um,
0: visual of the cinnamon bun picture just floating down over the ashes. Burning. Oh God. This was just really freaking... Like, how do you think you would have reacted to this as a kid reading this?
1: That's hard to say. I feel like horrific sort of topics given to me at a young age kind of didn't have... A huge impact on me. Well, I shouldn't say that. I was fucking scarred by the Hunchback of Notre Dame when I was like seven. Like I, I refused to watch movies for like ten years after that. So, but... why? Because of the the scene where he's at the festival and they're like torturing him. So I guess torture would have maybe affected me. But I don't know. This is this is really harsh for kids to read, though.
0: Yeah yeah it is uh i wasn't particularly young when i read this book this was not one of the ones that i read when i was like 10 or whatever but yeah yeah, i remember being really surprised by by what went on in it when i did read it i was probably late teens when i read this one really yeah i remember it being like really brutal even now when i think Back on the series, this is one book that always like whenever anybody brings up, like, oh, this is a really harsh book series, or like, there's a lot of you know, everybody brings up the um, the body dysmorphia stuff and like the body gore and all that sort of stuff. And this is the book that I'm always like, why is everybody talking about how gross morphing sequences are when this book happens? Like, I feel like we're missing the bigger picture here. Yeah, I don't know if this is if I'm reading this right at all, but like. I feel like at the very end that last scene with Rachel um he he almost does revert more back to human like yeah yeah he was a human at the time but it was almost like part of his hawk self got a little bit more destroyed or beat up
1: yeah so that when
0: he sees Rachel he has that more human reaction of going in for the hug instead of being like keeping mm-hmm. everything at a distance and
1: yeah cuz he used to be really weird about hugs and physical contact um yeah
0: but he had this like really childish moment of like give me a hug and like was it bad yeah it was real bad and he couldn't even like articulate in an adult way yeah what had happened
1: maybe experiencing like the the pleasure parts of the Mm -hmm. torture um because like the hawk doesn't know that and when we're you know sad and scared like we seek that Like, that pleasure, we seek to activate the pleasure sensors. So maybe that was just the reaction he had. He's like, oh, it's Rachel. She'll make me feel better. I must hug her now.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that could be that craving for intimacy afterwards.
1: Mm -hmm. Or comfort. I thought for sure Rachel was going to kill Taylor. I I mean, she would have, but...
0: I think she... Okay, so I think she absolutely would have if tobias hadn't said to her i need you to be rachel for me and not like taylor because like that's the only thing that stopped her he could even if he said i don't want you to like times a million i don't think she ever would have listened to him except he said i need you to do this for me
1: yeah and that could have been like a knee-jerk reaction for her to be like oh what would mean rachel do oh she'd kill the shit out of this girl i don't want to be like her
0: yeah could be could be that she was like oh that's mean rachel's reaction and i want to be nice
1: rachel yeah oh god and you know i'm kind of shocked that tobias also didn't want to kill her kind of like i i feel like he felt more pity for her just Mm because she was like so insane and you know ultimately like pretty shallow and psychotic um but like The fact that he made a point to say like he hated the Animorphs for not enduring this pain with him, but he didn't feel as much animosity towards his torturer. I don't know. I've never been tortured. I don't know how the brain works in that situation.
0: (laughs) Same. He also didn't seem to carry over the animosity for the Animorphs, though, out of that moment when they showed up afterwards, he didn't have, like, I hate you, why are you here? He, like, grabbed onto that lifeline and kind of let go of all of that hatred right away.
1: Yeah, I mean, that I can kind of, like, personally relate to, like, sometimes when my hand is really, really bad, and I'm feeling really, really bad about it, I get mad at everybody who also isn't going through this. Mm -hmm. Which is, like, not the most, kind of, logical way to approach it but that's like how i feel in that moment i'm like i'm suffering why isn't anyone else suffering right just completely ridiculous because other people are suffering much more than me but you know whatever
0: well it doesn't it doesn't matter like it like not that it doesn't matter but um you know everybody has their own shit going on and that doesn't mean that your thing is you know any better or worse than anybody else it's just what you're going through yeah i know
1: but that's, that's just the point where I kind of understood why he was feeling that in that moment.
0: I completely agree with that. Do we want to start talking about character ratings? Yeah. Alright, let's talk about Jake.
1: Jake was awesome. <laughs> like,
0: fuck yeah, Jake.
1: <laughs> <laughs> he was a good leader, even though he was manipulative. And he did mm-hmm. some badass shit.
0: Yeah, and I like that everybody's calling him on his manipulation at this point. Like, mm-hmm. also accepting it, but yeah. calling him on it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, I liked him a lot better than the last book. Um, yes, yeah, same. Yeah. So I'll give him four and a half.
0: Okay, I was going to give him a four. And I was only knocking him for that stupid manipulation tactic. But, like... Then he had that scene with Visor Three, yeah. where he grabbed his wrist and like did that badass, yeah. So yeah, I'll give him a four. Sweet. Uh, what about Rachel?
1: Um, didn't like her in the beginning with the whole like I have needs, but she like totally redeemed herself. In my eyes. Yeah. Um, I will give her four.
0: I'm going to give her a five. (laughs) (laughs) Whoa, color, we not surprised at all. (laughs) Um, Because we're back to giving Rachel five. (laughs) 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 Um, Yeah, I, I really liked her obviously in this book and I'm even willing to like, like, yeah, that beginning part where she was like, I have needs sucked, but I'm still like willing to totally like, give her the fact that she just went through, like, a lot of shit where she was exploring what her needs were in two different capacities, mm-hmm. and maybe she's just trying to, like, reach out and and say, you know, this is what I, my wants are, and maybe she worded it badly, and I'm not trying to, like, excuse her from that, like, she really does yeah. need to improve on that and understand that there's other people other than what she wants. But, like, I'm willing to say, okay, maybe that was worded badly and Tobias's perception of it was a little yeah, negative and yeah. just blow past it.
1: I had that thought, too. Um, yeah. But she really needs to accept that he's not just a human. He's kind of a weird amalgam of many things.
0: Yeah. I agree with that. But everything else was extremely badass that she did in this book. Yes. Uh, and I loved her interactions with everybody else. And mm-hmm. it was just all very, very good. Okay.
1: Axe. Five (laughs) thousand, five thousand, because he's the best, and I refuse to give him anything less than what he deserves.
0: I'm giving him a five for trash kite.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Trash kite. (laughs) Oh, so cute! Like this was all of the best versions of him. We had Mm -hmm. the trash kite. We had the I'm a monster and I'll eat everything in sight and be a complete fucking Mm -hmm. hooligan. And we had good boy, and we had had good loyal friend, and we had I'll risk my life for the team for some stupid reason. And, oh my god, he's just the best. He's the best!
0: The only critique I'll give him is there were a few moments where I felt like he, like, had a big reaction to something. And I'm not used to seeing that from Max because he's normally so reserved. So, like... I think it the biggest one for me was when Tobias said, um, when I was dying I had that vision of Elfangor and oh.
1: like and he was like,
0: Oh Yeah, and I was like, Ooh, that's not like she didn't nail the tone on that. <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> like So I was but, like So yeah, um, I kinda saw
1: Jesus.
0: Yeah. Um, and then it like the the just throwing out like so there are some medicine men. And I was like, well, that's fucking weird.
1: <laughs> yeah, I kind of feel like he would have been like, oh, really? Odd? And then, you know, spewed the the knowledge. But yeah, the fact yeah. that he was like flipping the fuck out. That's a good point. Oh.
0: But the, I'm not going to take away his five because that was a moment at the end of the book. I think the super important thing that he did in this book was when he connected with Tobias over their shared yes. heritage. That was so fucking important.
1: Uh-huh. And um, the inner cover of the book mm-hmm. with Tobias, like, jumping around like a hooligan and Axe standing <laughs> in the background just staring at him in awe is just the cutest fucking thing. Yeah. He's like, wow, look it at is. him go.
0: His expression of surprise.
1: <laughs> I love it. Yeah. I love it yeah. so much.
0: I love that, too. Oh. Uh, what about Cassie.
1: Cassie didn't do anything in this book, I feel like.
0: Yeah, she had an eagle.
1: She got punched in the face as a wolf. She didn't fight good, I guess. Um, she
0: didn't fight good. She constantly was fucking up and letting everybody go. And.
1: But she she's the one who jumped on Taylor, causing Taylor to miss the shot to kill Marco, right?
0: Yeah, she did do that. That yeah. was all she did. <laughs> she, didn't, she didn't really do much, I guess. She had like she two lines much. as well. Which was okay by me, because I'm still mad at her. I don't oh. want to talk to her sure. right now. Uh,
1: I guess I'll give her a nice middle-of-the-road three, I guess.
0: I'm gonna... See, I was gonna give her a three until you said middle-of-the-road, and then that made me think, well, I want to give her a two, because I still am residually <laughs> <mad>. <laughs> Um okay. But that feels mean. I'll give her two-and-a-half. Okay. Because I don't want to do middle-of-the-road. I, wanna, I want to have polarizing feelings, and if I have to force them, I will.
1: <laughs> our, our ratings are arbitrary. Our
0: ratings are slightly arbitrary. Uh, what about Marco?
1: I like Marco a lot more in this book than the last book. Um, mm-hmm. He did some cool shit at the end, and he was kind of the only one that was paying attention to Tobias, which was great. So I guess the uh, four.
0: I'm going to take a wild swing from last book to this book. And I'm giving Marco a five. Nice. I'm going to tell you why right now. Okay. I want to go back all the way back to those early, early books when Marco and Tobias were having all of their headbutting. <sighs> yeah. And, like, how many times did we talk about, like, Marco would when he stared at Tobias and Mm -hmm. hated him and Tobias said, you do what you have to do to get through this and all of those moments. And when Tobias went through this and Marco knew like all of the torture that he had injured, it felt even more so than Rachel when the initial raid of the torture chamber happened, Marco was so focused on Tobias. And, like, when he landed on the cube, he didn't make a comment. He didn't make a joke. He didn't be himself. He apologized profusely. And he was so mm. focused on getting Tobias out of there. And Tobias is going, "He, you're cut. You're badly injured. Let go. Fight him off. And Marco is like, no, I'm getting you out of here. Oh. And, like, that growth in their relationship was, like, it's been happening, but to see it finally come to a head was just so amazing for me. And I loved Marco and those actions in this book. So I'm giving him a five. That's my
1: speech. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think I might still be like residually sort of mad at him from last book. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. That's, that's fair. the only reason I'm holding back a little bit. But yeah, those are good points.
0: That's um. that's totally fair. I just that was such a. Um, a poignant moment for me that sure. I am giving him a five for that specific reason. <sighs> All right, Tobias.
1: Oh, I mean, we saw the full spectrum of emotion and he's been yeah. through so much and I just, I feel awful for him. And the fact that he's an artist, I did yeah. not know, which is beautiful. Um, Yeah. He gets a five.
0: Yeah. He's getting a five from me. He was just amazing in this whole book. Like oh. he really was. And I like, just want to talk about how fucking strong he is. Like for all of his growth leading up to this, where he says I'm weak. I'm, I can't do this. I can't do that. I can't like, he just like went from, I can't live in this body to, Mm -hmm. I am part Hawk. I am part boy. I can use this to my advantage to go with the torture. And then the Hawk gets stripped away from him which is something that has terrified him and made him feel weak in other ways. And then he faced it full on as himself and as the kid who would have swirlies and needed Jake to constantly save him. He just stood up to this on his own and didn't succumb. Yeah. Like even at the end when he said, I want to tell you everything just to make this stop, he didn't end up succumbing to that either. And like, he's just so impressive Mm -hmm. now. So, yeah, five.
1: I'm actually kind of um, wondering if the anti-morphing ray actually did work. Like, for a while, I was wondering if that was going to be the case.
0: I I mean, I think it did. It just didn't matter because he was already a hawk.
1: But he was able to morph back to Andalite.
0: I, I don't think it stops your morphing abilities. I think it just causes you, when you're hit with it, to demorph. Oh, yeah. okay.
1: <laughs> that's a good thing to know, I guess. Yeah.
0: I think, anyway, I could.
1: So I guess the anti morphing right is that's been in a couple of books now. And since they ultimately didn't accomplish anything in this book except for like saving Tobias, um, I guess it'll be back.
0: I. I mean, it doesn't work though, so. Uh, yeah. I That's
1: mean, it doesn't work
0: in quotes. I mean, like, is
1: it going to get scrapped or is it going to, like, go to more scientists to be improved upon?
0: Yeah, we'll have to find out.
1: You're not telling. You tune in next
0: time. Yeah. <laughs> I will tell nothing if you want to write to us and tell us how you feel,
1: I- <laughs> how your day was. <laughs>
0: Just tell us how your day was and your happiest childhood memory or something. <laughs> your greatest pleasure um, and your you can... greatest pain. <laughs> <laughs>
1: oh, God. No, don't, don't be real.
0: <laughs> Anyways, write us at anonymousanimorphs at gmail.com. Or you can post it to us on Facebook for everybody to read <laughs> at uh, on our Facebook group, which is just Animorphs Anonymous. Which, by the way, we just hit 100 likes. so Yay! yay! Thank you, guys. That's amazing. Um, super excited about that. And if you want to join our super secret, super awesome Facebook group, it's Andalite Bandalites, which is facebook.com slash group slash Anonymous. And if you want to go on our Insta Slam and see our pretty, pretty pictures, it's at Animorphs Anonymous. <laughs> and if you want to tweet at us, it's at Animorphs Anon.
1: Find our <sighs> podcast, this podcast that you're listening to, on all of the, <laughs> all of your favorite podcast platforms, including Spotify iTunes, Google Play, Pocket Cast, Stitcher, Podcast Republic, the works. Yes.
0: And I know iTunes is going away, but I, I'm just going to go ahead now and 33 books in right before iTunes is taken down say you should leave us a review on iTunes <laughs> because I do enjoy reading them. And yes, I do read all of them. And I occasionally look at other platforms too and take your notes into consideration. So thank you guys who have written us reviews, all two of you
1: you can add us. Tell me about your comic book. I have a comic. It's on the web. It's called B Side You. It's about music and romance. Uh, if you want to read that, it's on hiatus right now, but hopefully we'll be lifted from hiatus in the next few months. If you want to check that out, you can go to comic.com That's B-S-I-D-E-Y-O-U-Comic.com. Do it. Yay!
0: And I should probably mention that if any of you guys are into Superboy, the comic by DC, I say non committally <laughs> um, and you like a terrible, much dirtier, much more offensive conversation than this, I have been a guest on Cadmus 2 Crisis, which is Drew's podcast, if you guys remember Megamorphs 2 and The Time of the Dinosaurs. And we've been talking about the trial of Superman, and I think there's like... God, 800 episodes of that up where I'm a guest on it, so go listen to that, too, if you like that sort of thing. Yay! Well, let's uh, depressively run out of the room and go hug somebody we love.
1: Tobias wasn't the only one tortured from that book. All of us were tortured
0: together from that book. Yep. Go hug someone. Go. Go go fly a fucking kite! (laughs) Let's go fly a
1: kite.
0: (laughs) Up! To the (laughs) highest. All right, bye.